0: We've been here almost four years. Isn't that awesome? This is like the longest we've been anywhere. God's done a lot with us. And whoa, I am so excited about this year. Is anybody else excited about this year? 2018 was like, bye. (laughs) Anybody else? With two, three, four, five, six, okay. You guys are all excited. Be excited because it's going to be an incredible year. Ancient cliff notes. Here we are. Here I am. We're going to do this thing. You guys ready? This is kind of the end for a minute. We're going to go into Romans after this. Well, next week we'll do what he said. If you weren't here, you'll hear it next week. Okay, it's going to be really awesome. So I want you guys to be, as we're going through this, thinking about your first fruits. Um, and how you can really seek God and really know what that is for you. Because this isn't, this isn't for me to decide. I can't, I can't decide that for you. You have to see what God has decided for you. So that'll come next week. Uh, And then we'll do Romans and it's going to be like 10 years. So we're in, you know, we're going to be here for like 20 and then we're going to do another series. No, it's not really going to be that long, but it'll be a long series, but it will be very, very, very good. I promise. Okay. So as we're studying ancient cliff notes, we are going today to talk about the covenants. What? (laughs) There are so many covenants. There are so many things. We talk about, oh, the covenant here, the covenant there. What does that even mean? And why do we study this in the Old Testament? What does it matter? I want you to kind of get this idea that this isn't just a story, and it's not just history of what God has done. This is alive, and it becomes part of who we are, and as it does that, we become part of who the Bible is, who the story is, these covenants what this, God is inviting us through the scripture to know who he is, to know what his purpose is, and then to figure out what our place is in this purpose. He's been telling us all of these clues, and now we can take that on ourselves. And really, we can know that through studying scripture, right? So it's alive, and you need to approach it that way, all of this scripture, even the Old Testament, which feels old, but it's still alive, right? Okay, so N.T. Wright, he talks about this this Shakespeare thing where um, basically, we have to look at the scripture and the covenant specifically um, in these acts, okay? So I'll talk about that in a minute, but basically, we see this play and the last act is missing entirely. Okay, you're watching the Shakespeare play. We don't have the script. That's your life. Okay, so you have first, second, third, fourth act. The last act is missing. Okay, so what do we do to give justice to the fifth act? The story's not finished. It's not been told yet. And here we are, the audience is watching. How do we really embrace that fifth act, our lives? And what NT Wright, what he talks about, is that we reflect, we draw out, and we implement the significance of those first four acts, scripture, of these covenants. And then we learn in the covenant story where we fit. So what we've been doing through this whole series is, what happened? What are these covenants? How can we reflect on this? What does this mean for us? What is, what is our part in the story? And then how does this point to Jesus? And then what does that mean for us? Reflect, draw out, and implement the significance of these first four acts. So Genesis 1-3. Let's start at the beginning. How about we open our Bibles to Genesis 1-1 you guys are so excited okay this is the very beginning of the new year let's start at the beginning of the bible right don't do that if you're trying to read through the bible maybe don't start in genesis because it gets crazy but i'll help you with it right now for a little bit (laughs) you can start in genesis but then if you need help with a reading plan by the way we will definitely help you with that because i tried to do that when i was a kid i got stuck in like genesis 2 i was like and i just kept reading one over again okay Anyway, so 1-1, it sets this stage for these covenants. It's like the prologue of what the covenants are. And some people say that God has this covenant with creation. Um, maybe, but it never really says covenant. So let's just say this is, the, this is setting the scene. This is the, the prologue, the opening. God is the hero, the creator. He's the beginning and the source of all. All right, here we go. In the beginning, God. The hero is here. He created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness. was all over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is so good. There's so much here. I'm not going to talk about it all today. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And he does this. And he forms the earth. And he forms all the things in it. And he says, this is good. And then he makes Man. And he says, oh, it's very good. It's very, very good. Humanity, what is the point of making man? He makes something out of nothing. He goes from chaos to order with a voice. He's the hero. Humanity comes into play and then we're told to be fruitful and multiply, right? Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds, Blah, 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 but I don't really mean that. It's just not important right now. And all the creepy, I like to say creepy things because he just says it so much. All these creepy things, all the creepy girlies, right? And God blessed them. And God said to them, okay, so this is the framework about what we're going to talk about in the covenants. This sets us up. Why do we need the covenant? Be fruitful and multiply. This is the purpose. But what are we what are we multiplying ourselves. But watch. He made them in their image. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, every living thing. And God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. So God created man in his own image. We skip to 31 here, if you're trying to figure it out. He made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male, female created them. He took something that was good, and he put it in man. And he said, I want you to take all of these good things I've made made, and create them over and over. Multiply the goodness. And watch what happens. He moves from chaos to order. We get, ooh, Adam and Eve. Okay, you already saw it. Genesis 3. For God knows that when you eat, okay, what happens here? We have the, you guys familiar with this story? I'm to try and walk you through it carefully. So we have this tree, and he says, don't eat it. Right? So they're in the garden, everything's perfect. But he knows that when you eat, there's a serpent talking, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was a desire to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. Then she gave it to her husband and he ate. This crafty serpent, that's what it says in this version. <laughs> ESV, the crafty serpent, the sneaky snake, I've heard it told, sneaks in and says, God told you what's good, but you don't know what you're missing. I want you to figure out what's good. And they say, oh, I can decide what's good? And they push aside and they get really confused. The goodness, the very purpose that God created them to be fruitful and multiply the good that God has set for them. And they say, I want to know my own good. And they mistrust God's goodness. They seek their own definition. And then we have sin and the fall. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. They realize they're naked. They're ashamed. They're confused about goodness. But then there's a promise. All right, Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between God is talking to the snake. Between you and the woman, the sneaky serpent. Right? and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So all of a sudden, there's this new character that hurt, hurt humankind, which hurt God, confused, confused us, and we're broken because we don't know what goodness is. But this, this other character that's coming, this is Jesus, if you didn't catch it well, I'll tell you right now. Okay, so this offspring, so this lineage, from Adam there will be a lineage and we'll follow that for the covenant. This lineage will come, this thing that literally, you will bruise the snake's head and kill the snake. He will defeat sin and death and darkness and confusion, but the snake will bite him. So then Jesus dies, right? But then he initially overcome, or eventually overcomes it. So humanity is broken. And all of a sudden, all these crazy things happen. Don't read it today. Like, take a minute and then read it later. There's some weird stuff in there. And if you want to read it, like, we can talk about it, because there's some symbolism and things going on. But there's just a lot of evil stuff and corruption. It's bad. Okay. so then we have corruption. And God says, enough. Do you ever as a parent say, enough? My kids are fighting, and it's one after the other. And mommy, she didn't. And I'm like, that's enough. Go to your rooms. This is what God's doing here. Done. He wipes out the whole earth except for one man. Does anybody know who that man is? Noah, right? Okay, so this is where we're getting to the first covenant. Genesis Genesis 9. We're still in Genesis. There's a lot of story in Genesis. It's crazy. All right, be fruitful and multiply. We've heard that before, right? So now he's trying to restore what was in Adam and Eve. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again there be a flood destroy the earth. This is a sign of the covenant that I make between you and every living creature and all future generations. I have set my bow, and he puts a rainbow. There's a sign, the covenant. All right, let's pray real quick. God, I thank you so much for the covenant that you have over creation and over our lives. And I pray today that we can see what that looks like and how you're trying to redeem and restore your goodness by, by our lives. And I pray that we can grasp this, take hold of it, and move forward in your word and your scripture, that it can be alive, and that it can form us. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. All right. So what are we doing here? We have this, this covenant. What is this? Be fruitful and multiply. We're restoring this. And then what is a covenant? What does that even mean? Okay, this is the unique relationship in, in, the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, between God and his people, So he says, I'm going to make a relationship with you that's very unique. Um, It's irrevocable. It's a commitment in the ancient Near East. This was You can actually see some other covenants that are very similar. So when we get to the ketubah with Israel, this is a marriage covenant. This is the common day marriage covenant. God says, I want that with you. I want this relationship with you. It's between two people. Okay, so God does some pretty crafty things with it. It's pretty awesome. Then after we see this this, this thing, this covenant that he makes, Noah fails. Okay, so this is this irrevocable thing, but how does God handle that? What does God do with that? He's in the garden, okay? Remember Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve were in the garden, right? So he's in the garden, and he pitches a tent. I don't know, he went camping in the garden, that's kind of weird, but we'd understand it in the real context. He's drunk, and all of a sudden, he's naked, Okay, this sounds exactly like the garden of Adam and Eve. His son, he like passes out. His son comes in and sees him and is like, whoa, shame. Just full shame. Later they realize that he saw him. There's shame. This is a replay. This is a replay of Adam and Eve, the fall, the shame. This is, we can't do it. Humanity can't keep the covenant. What's happening? God makes this promise and this covenant with us and we can't keep it. Okay, so we all fail. Right? Okay, let's move forward and see what God does with that. Because I want you to know in your world and in your life today, the promises or the, the the things that you've made between you and God, you can't keep them. Because you're part of this lineage of Adam and Eve. But what do we do with that? We don't just say, okay, I quit. I can't keep it. What do we do? So then the story goes on. All of a sudden, Babylon, they they invent bricks, they build a city they build it bigger and bigger and grander and then they build the tower of babel they want to reach the gods and they want to make a great name for themselves they're redefining good and evil it's almost disgusting god's like no 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 this brokenness this is the redefining of what's good it breaks us it's ruining our world because we want to redefine god says no that's not good that's what happens. Humanity was a unit. It was, it was kind of going all right. God redeemed. He fled and he's like, well, I can't flood the earth again. I already promised them I couldn't. No, it's not, it's not quite like that. But then they build the tower and he says, enough. And he scatters them so they can't like put their ideas together. And he's like, forget it. Just spread out. We're going to scatter you. And then comes Abraham Okay, this is, this is the first, like, official promise. So the first one was, I'm sorry, first official covenant. The first one was a covenant with the everlasting covenant that will never end. It is good to the end of the age. It is good. This is, this is a covenant with Abraham. So we move from the individual to now this man. And let's see what this looks like. So Genesis 12. Now the Lord said, To Abram, his name's Abram, it changes to Abraham. And then his wife is Sarai, but it changes to Sarah. So we'll just say Abraham and Sarah. All right, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house and the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. So he's making a promise to him, right? And I will bless you and make your name great. Isn't that what they were trying to do in the Tower of Babel? We want a great name. We'll make a great name for ourselves. We'll build the land. God is giving them the very promise that Babel saw, and he said, no, enough. This is not how you do this. I want that for you, but that's not how you do it. I have a way to do this, and I will show you, and I will promise you, I will give you goodness. Sometimes we think things are good, and they're not simply because of how we approach them. We have to have our ear to heaven sometimes and listen to what God is saying. This is my plan and my will for you. Don't build a tower. You're not going to go to heaven. It's, you're confused, okay? Let me be with you, okay? I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you will curse and all your families. Everybody, Everybody's blessed through you. So now, all of a sudden, they have a promise of land, of being the nation. This is a new concept. There were no nations. Having a great name. And then blessing everybody through it. So that's kind of the purpose of this is that everyone can be blessed by God through you. Okay, we've talked about that. That's a New Testament concept that we've talked about. But you represent God. And you'll bless the world to this scattered world. They're not together. How is God going to tell his story? He's going to build up a nation. He's going he's gonna to take a family and rise them up from the ashes, from the scatteredness. So this is the promise. You guys following this? We go chaos, order, corruption, flood. That's the chaos and the order. Then all of a sudden we have the tower and they're scattered. The order is through Abraham and the promise. But he, but he has to obey. He has, God asks him, I'm going to give you this covenant, but I want you to obey. Train your family. Do what's right. Do what's just. This is where justice and righteousness sort of introduced into society. And he's asking them to restore his goodness. This is why we fight for justice and righteousness. Because it restores the goodness that God put in us from the very beginning that he wanted us to multiply and bless the world with. But then he fails. He Goes crazy. I mean, he's like, okay, God, I don't have a son. His wife's like, well, why don't you sleep with Hagar? She'll give you a son. I'm clearly the problem. So he does, and he has a son. But it's not the son God promised between Abraham and Sarah. And then he promises him something else. He says, step outside, look at the stars. Look at how many stars there are. That's how many uncountable numerous how many your family will be your descendants and that's like basically the whole world right now and then there's a covenant this covenant of I will give this to you after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision fear not Abraham I'm your shield I will protect you and you will continue your reward shall be very great Oh God, what will you give me? I have no children. You've given me no offspring. Who is going to be this child that you speak of, this heir? And behold, the word of the Lord, the man shall be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir, your son, between you and Sarah. And he brought him outside, looked to the heaven, look at the stars. You're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. And then something really weird happens. This is where we cut the covenant. Okay, if you've read this, you're like, what just happened? This is something from the ancient Near East, something that they used to make a covenant. You cut the animals in half and you lay each half, one half, like the front and the back or whatever, (laughs) in a walkway. And then you walk like the aisle of these cut animals. And in this cutting of the covenant, at the end, your promise is that if I break this covenant, I'll be like these animals. You cut me in half, I'm dead. I'm nothing, I'm worthless. Everything is taken from me, all of it. It's death, it's death. So he does this, he splits the animals, and then he passes out. He has a dream. And he wakes up like it's really dark. And there's just this, not lantern. I always think lantern. But this torch and this like flaming bucket. There's no one there. But it's walking, it's walking, it's cutting the covenant. So here's this concept of this is not your obligation. I, God, take on the entire obligation of this covenant. As surely as I am God... And will continue to be God I will keep my promises and if I fail I cease to be God that's a really big deal that's a really big approach for God to take to this humanity that cannot keep it we can't keep the covenant but do you know who can God can and he will and you know who can't and who won't we fail over and over. Do you see how this is starting to be your story? Because I see it in my life. I see it in my story. I can't keep the covenant. I try and I fail and I try and I fail. But God says that doesn't matter because I've made a promise and you're the descendant of Abraham. Don't get too confused about the like tree, the family tree. I will cease to be God if I break this covenant. Everything's over, everything's done. God will keep that covenant. This purpose is so rich in all of this that we are restoring goodness, but we aren't doing it. We're just kind of that vessel. I wanna do good things in you and then I want you to restore that in the rest of the world. These good things, just be me, represent me to the world is what he's asking us to do we're, this, then there's something else weird that happens. This is where circumcision comes in, and it's like, this is just a sign, okay? Just think about it this way, and then you can get past it, because it's like this big debate with Paul, and anyway, so this, it's this idea that your fruitfulness is a gift from God. That's it. Everything that flourishes, all the goodness, comes from God. That's what circumcision represents, and for Abram, Abraham now, this represents, you gave me the son you promised me. And then Isaac is born, a oh, child is born. And then a whole bunch of stuff happens, and we're going to move forward. And all Abraham and all his descendants are slaves. Now, you know the story. Pharaoh, and they're killing babies, and then Moses is floated down the river, and then he's raised in the house of Pharaoh, and God says to him, I want to deliver you oh no i didn't want to go to king david yet so then god gives moses this invitation while they're still slaves i will make you my people and i will be your god this is the invitation to be gods to let him do all the goodness in us god creates a nation now out of Abraham and his descendants. And Israel rises up. So we go from Adam and Eve to noahs He's the everlasting creation. And then this individual Abraham and this family to now this nation. And why? Like this one nation. Oh, they're so good. Everyone else is excluded. That's not at all the picture. So I want you to kind of see what this covenant. So basically... God creates a nation. He, a, he establishes them in the promised land. So they move to the promised land. Um, they, there's, this is the plagues, the Red Sea, and then Mount Sinai. You have Moses on the mountain. They all get in their like, fancy church clothes, and they're like, we're going to meet God. They go to the mountain, and they seek his presence. He's like, don't touch the mountain. You'll die. And all this stuff happens. So then we have the Ten Commandments. This is that marriage covenant, the ketubah. This is... I will love you. This is the love. This is the chesed love of God. Okay, this is where we introduce it. This isn't the final part of it, but this is the introduction of it. So it's this idea that God's going to dwell among us. Okay, this is the purpose. So we have this covenant, and you will be a light to the nations. You will show everyone, my goodness, who I am, what my purpose is, and your role in that. Plan and purpose of who I am. So these Ten Commandments, they're basically they wanted the presence of God, and He says, Okay, I'm gonna make this covenant that's unbreakable, but you can't keep it. (laughs) Joke's on you, right? Oh man, but it's this everlasting love that doesn't, even when you break the covenant, it's still there. And it's what drives God to make the covenant over and over and over and over again. And then we find this identity and it's, it's, it's renewed, and it's, you're my people. I made you. I want goodness in you, and I want you to be very good, and all the things that aren't good, I want to swipe them away and give you the good things. So then we see all these laws, and it's hard not to get caught up in the laws. There are 613 laws in the Torah. So this is the story of Israel. Like, covenant broken, covenant broken. He's like, let me give you this law, let me give you that law. And it's just like, we can't keep these laws anyway. The Ten Commandments, the, then there's 52 more laws, just right after them. And then the 613. These laws, this was really phenomenal in society. Society was not society as we know it, but this was kind of the beginning of it. That these laws set in place, this, it, it governed the ethical life. and And it, it kind of helped us. It was a guide of, like, your ethical life, your marriage, your, your, your career, your business, all these things. There was a law for it. Not to keep the law, but to help you. To How do I do this? It's like the guidebook, the dummy's guidebook in the day of divine order, though. Not just any rules, but the way God intended it to be. The way God wanted it to be to have goodness in all the areas of your life. It was spiritual, it was economics, politics, ethics. I mean, there were kings and priests and all this stuff started forming. But then they failed over and over. They built the calf, they worshipped the calf instead. Moses is still on the mountain. All this stuff happens and they self-defined goodness. They said, well, this would be good to worship a golden calf. Let's do that. And they were just so off, and they just kept breaking it because you can't keep the covenant. But who can is God, and why? Because of his love. His love is the thing that just drives him forward because he wants you to be good. He wants everything in your life to be good. And then Hosea, I mean, you, we, we've talked about these story, this story, basically he marries this girl that is not faithful, and it's like, this is, a, this is Israel. This is the story. Then we get David. Then we have a covenant with David. And this, this is kind of the invitation to justice and righteousness. This line of David, was, it was kind of more of a promise of, this is coming. I have this covenant that's coming, and there will be this king that will save everything. This is the promise of the Messiah. And we could talk all day about this. There's a lot of details, but basically he failed. He couldn't do it. His sons were evil. And it kind of, this banter, everyone realized Israel needs a new heart. Israel needs heart surgery, right? We can't keep the laws. We can't keep the covenant. We've tried it all. We need a new heart. And then there's another exile. And God, like, it's like romance. He's like, I met you. In the desert, I will meet you there again. You've broken the covenant. You've failed the marriage. And here we are right where I met you in exile. It's not very romantic, but, you know, I like to think it is because that's this whole journey. It's this romance with who God is and who Jesus is and his love for me and for you. It's, it's a re, there's a renewal. So then, Jeremiah, this is kind of the promise of the, the new covenant. So this is the new covenant in the Old Testament more of a prophecy or of it but this is the new covenant behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah not like the other covenants when I took by when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt he rescued them but he's not going to do that again but he'll still rescue though I was their husband declares the Lord for this is the covenant that I will make With the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. I will give them a new heart. This is very, very New Testament, this kind of language of this. This is a new idea. The ancient Near East didn't really understand that it was in you. They thought the king decided your righteousness. And they were very confused. And God says, no, you, you and me, you and me together, you know this is a romance this is a good thing i will put my law within them and i will write it on their hearts and i will be their god so there you have it the identity and they shall be my people i no longer shall and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each to his brother it's it's not the responsibility of your neighbor for righteousness it's yours between you and god you have to approach god to figure out what your covenant with him is. To fulfill that and what his covenant with you is. What his has said love has for you. Uh, for they shall all know me. For the least of them is the greatest, declares the Lord. And this just gets confused. This is like, okay, this is Jesus. This is, this is what Jesus talked about. We'll talk about. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And they're like, what? We've been sacrificing children, but he didn't actually sacrifice the child. Then he says, you can sacrifice animals. And we've been sacrificing animals. And he says, that's enough. I will forgive you, you and me. This is an invitation for an intimate relationship. This is what God's getting at with the covenants. I hope you can see it. It's a new covenant in their hearts. And it goes to this, from this national, the king, we need a king, we need a messiah. They got the messiah, but it was very different than they thought. The messiah, the, the king that's put on the throne, will determine if I'm righteous, and that king is evil, so I am evil, to no, you are an individual, and I love you, and I have a covenant with you. So we go from this individual to this family to this nation, and now right back to the individual and there's a lot we get from this to know God to know love God is love he's the has said when you know him you know what love is when you know pain you know what grace is and then you can love people so out of the lineage this we've been following a lineage this has been one lineage I should have made a chart of the lineage, but there's so much other stuff. Israel, Abraham, Israel, King David, then New Testament, Jesus. This new covenant that was promised through King David, through your sons, will, there will be a Messiah and everything will be new. But it's different. He won't determine, but he will establish and inaugurate forgiveness. But he's not going to represent the generation's goodness but he will bring a new goodness so then we actually have a new covenant with Jesus this is the ultimate expression of who God is when we couldn't keep the covenant he said okay Adam couldn't achieve this Israel couldn't achieve this they did not they could not they would not Jesus comes as a human and finally and God and finally there's a covenant between Jesus and God and the covenant can actually be kept between humanity and God not just between God and humanity it's the bridge we can't do it but Jesus was a human and God and he kept that covenant if you're confused about the Jesus and God thing we can talk about that later but it's important that he is both and it's not divisible Finally, a faithful covenant partner for God. It's not us, but then he does all this crazy stuff and he dies. This is the serpent. We talked about this. Eve is gonna stomp on the serpent's serpent's head, this sneaky snake, and he's gonna bite back this lineage. This is the lineage of Adam and Eve. And Jesus destroys what the serpent introduced. And then... He bites him and kills him, but then there's a resurrection and he's seated on the throne in heaven and it's glorious and we all win. But there's a blessing that comes through that, that that Abraham was supposed to bring to the world, but Jesus brought it to the world. He kept the covenant and he got what was the fulfillment of the promise of his obedience. And then Israel, they were supposed to obey and they could not, but Jesus lived a perfect life. How did he fulfill every single one of these covenants? Because this was the great, grand plan of God. King David was supposed to bring justice and peace, and Jesus inaugurated justice and peace and wholeness and goodness and all of the good things. Humanity is renewed because he's part of humanity, and he keeps the covenant. And then he looks to us and he says, I want to renew each of you so you can be part of this perfect covenant. This, this misguided idea of goodness, that's sin. And we're delivered from that because that separates us from God. It makes it so we can't keep the covenant, this misguided idea of goodness. Of who, or this, and it's this self proclaimed. well, I want, to decide. I want to eat from the tree. I want to decide what's good. How do you know what's in the Bible is, is, is what God meant is good? Maybe he meant society has changed. That's enough. God has a goodness for our world that's good, and he's asking you to be part of that, and he's asking you to proclaim that and to be a light to the nations, to the people around you. And Jesus came to show us what that looks like and say, you know what, you can do it, because I'm gonna leave you the Holy Spirit. And he's gonna guide you, he's going to help you, he's gonna literally speak to your personhood. When you don't know, you can pray, and all of a sudden, You'll be like, whoa, I just feel like I really should do that. Or I really know the answer to, to my life problem here. That's the Holy Spirit. God talks to you. And it's not like, hey, I'm going to tell you. No. It's, it's this internal thing. It's so important to understand that in this new covenant, it's nothing we expected but everything we hoped for. And then it's, it starts within us. Starts where it started in the garden, this intimate place with God. And He recreated through Jesus' goodness, obligated to God and driven by love, He holds a covenant, this new covenant, and He wants to hold that covenant with you. This is the, this has said, love of God. This is the love that, it's love, kindness, Loyalty. I mean, when you look up the definition, everybody's like, well, we don't really have a definition for it. It's like all these things. This is, this is the love of God. It's, we can't really define it. But this is what kept every covenant in the failure, in the brokenness, in the fall, when everybody just couldn't keep the covenant. This love is what drove God. Now I have this, like I said, love of God. It's, it's, Oh, I went way too far. Uh-oh, okay. It's this, this loyalty. He was loyal even when we broke, th- broke the covenant. Mercy, grace, it's just all these goodness, all these good things that bears with and remains committed to his people. You will be my people. I will be your God. I will love you to the end of the days despite their sin and their failure. And here's the coolest thing about love, that we pursue. We pursue love, right? I mean, that's like, we're inclined to pursue love. But the reality is, as we search for love, love finds us. We can't really find love. Love finds you. That has said, love of God, when you're broken and you're failing, love will find you. This is the nature of love. Um, I read this book recently, and he talks about this, and he says, Love seeks out the seeker as we seek God and we seek what the covenant is. Not because the seeker is worthy of love, no, no, but simply because love's nature is to love. Regardless of the worthiness or merit of the one loved. And then Augustine puts this search this way. You have made us, God, for for yourself. He's made us. This is the purpose of creation. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Until you let the love of God Surround you and tell your story and make promises to you and let God fulfill those in your life. Just have your ear to the ground, your ear to heaven. What is it that I need to pursue? What is this covenant that you have for me? So here we have, this is the thing N.T. Wright talked about at the beginning, creation. This is the first act in this grand story. The fall, pretty close together, right? Then all the story of Israel failing. And then Jesus, those are the four acts that we can look at and assess and think about and evaluate and say, God, what are you saying to me? Because it's time you take the stage. The lights are coming up and you're, you're the fifth act, you. You're the rest of this story. And he has, has said, faithful love for you no matter what. And yeah, you're probably gonna fail sometimes, and you won't perfectly keep these promises and these covenants. But it doesn't matter. We're not. When we look at the Old Testament, the Bible, the scriptures, we're not searching against the grain of the material. What is it that I should align myself to for timeless truths? Yeah, society changes, but what we're looking at, what we're looking for and at, is the vocation to be the people of God. I will be your God, and you will be my people. This rings true in each and every one of these covenants. In the fifth act of the drama of creation, the drama of redemption, creation just shows us how we felt immediately. We couldn't do it. But God scooped us up and said, it will be a fight, but you will win. The end of the story has already been written. Don't live right where you are. Don't live there this drama of redemption, and it's in each and every one of these. It's it's to bring humanity into this intimate partnership with God. I say intimate because it's constant connection. Do you pray? Do you sit and do dishes and say, God, change me? Do you walk on the beach in the sunset, in the summer, because we all know it's winter, and say, God, Change me. Show me how beautiful you are. Show me your goodness in the world and show me, though there's no goodness in me or very little, show me how there can be goodness in me, in my situation, in in my marriage maybe or in my workplace or in my home or just my devastating situation with my health or my finances. Show me. Where there's good, the loss of a loved one. What does that look like? Where is there good in the world? It's okay to ask God that because he wants to give it to you. It's this little nugget that will blossom into something beautiful. And he wants us to rule over the productive earth. We're just multiplying this goodness. We have have to be in charge of the goodness and decide this is good and I'm going to do it. Not on our own choices, but what God has shown us. Reproduce the good, and that represents God. And it blesses the whole world. This is God's life-giving mission. Create and recreate all things. Nothing's left out. Every sphere of your life, every single one, your money, your relationships, your commitments, the books you read, the things you do on the weekend, the car you drive, God wants to recreate it, all of it. He creates, in every one of these stories, he creates or recreates, he delivers. He renews, he says, you are my people, renews their identity. And that's, we're gonna talk about that in Romans, about renewing that identity and how we're just so confused about who God made us to be. These covenants, and God is reaching out to you in the new covenant, and your act are an invitation and provision for Him to deliver us from sin as we oppose goodness with our human nature. Just, it's like the default setting, this direct opposition of God's created order. And when we're made new, God's version of goodness is redeemed. And that's the, the drama the drama of redemption and creation. It's an invitation to life and an intimacy with him. Renewal, the whole of your being, everything you are, every area, all things new. In your life, tell him that you want him to transform it. Tell him that you want things new. Spend a minute or several with him. When we ask you to pray, and if anybody needs prayer, raise your hand, let us join you and pray for things to be new. In this time when we sing in just a minute, come to the, get away from your seats if you have to, or or move down in your, just you and God. Tell him, he's inviting you. He wants you this year to really be new, not to just make resolutions that you can't keep every single area, nothing's off limits. Whatever you give to him, he will make new and he will keep the covenant. He'll say, yes, I want to make that new. You don't have to keep anything, but you have to try and obey. Tell him, want him to transform you, starting right in the internal things, in your situation, in your life, in all things will be new he'll give you provision he provides in each of these covenants a pathway and he offers it over and over and over again your mess up let's move forward it's behind you he's going to offer it again so here's your invitation today your offer God is asking you do you want to be new this isn't about just getting into heaven and it's really not only about an intimate relationship with God. This is for individuals, communities. We saw this in the covenants. People groups, all of creation, all of it. God's good earth, God's final purpose for creation as the glory of God filled the temple so ultimately fill the cosmos, the goodness of God. If you want to be made new, I want to pray with you. If there's something in your life, we're going to move into this, this next three weeks, 21 days. As a church, we're going to fast. Okay, this is optional, but I recommend it. You don't have to starve yourself and not eat anything. Be wise. You can limit things. But I want to tell you that there's so much power in doing this this is the physical approach almost to the spiritual interworking thing that God wants to do in us this is where it's like I don't know when you go to the gym and you like hit it really hard you like do a diet and you're just like nah, I'm just getting cut everything and then you're like Ugh, suffering this is sort of the spiritual version of that it jump starts transformation and a spiritual journey. So if you have things in your life that need to be made new, and you need a transformation just in yourself or in people around you, or you just have this desperate prayer request that something's got to give. Fast. Cut social media. I don't care. Don't look at the TV. Don't cut water though. That's the one thing that doesn't happen. Jesus drinks water when he fasts. That's the most important part. But this is part of becoming holy, available to what God wants to do in us. The covenant is this incubator for redemption driven by chesed. And fasting is sort of that incubator and jumpstart of transformation. You have to search for his Hesed and then it will find you. And this is part of that searching. So please join us in your fasting. We're not gonna do like a dedication sheet or anything but join us, do this with us, pray with us. Every Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., we're in this room and we're praying for this service and this community. Join us, 9.30, 9.30 to 10. It's a short time, it's easy. You're all invited. Please come, get on your face before Jesus in a slightly empty room. We just play worship music and we seek God. We seek his cassette and we wait for it to find us. That's the place. If you don't have a place, that's a place for you. Do that. Pray with us.